Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the Res Life Big Rapids podcast. We're glad you found us, and we hope this message helps shape you into something that looks like Christ. Now let's listen in. Man, I'm glad we have the no there, and it's a little lengthy. Let me catch my breath after praise and worship, so... My name is Pastor Keith. If you don't know who I am, I'm the children's and youth pastor here. And I have the privilege this morning to share God's word with you while Pastor Ross is out of town. I'm excited for it. Just curious, how many of you guys have heard me teach before? Okay. Because I, I have been known to just spontaneously start rapping. <laughs> to sometimes just throw things into the crowd. So put your helmets on, buckle up. We should probably pray, right? Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity to dive into your word. And I just pray that that this message this morning can challenge all of us. It can help us grow into being who you want us to be. Lord, I also lift up Pastor Ross and Allison and the family. Let them just have a safe trip, a a great time of just being refreshed and re-energized. Bless them on their travels back. And also with spring break coming up, just bless those who aren't with us this morning. Let everybody's travels be blessed. Let them have a great week off. And let us have an awesome time here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to go out on a limb here this morning and say we're in church. Probably most of you here this morning are Christians. Probably. But the the truth is, there's probably some of you in here who aren't. And I just want to say, if if you're not, that's okay. I respect that. I respect you. Maybe you're in this place here this morning because you want to see what Jesus is all about. Maybe you want to see what church is all about. You want to see what Christians are all about. You want to see if we just talk the talk or do we actually walk the walk? See, when you, when you make Jesus Lord of your life, it's, it's huge. It changes everything. When you realize you're missing something and you need him, it's just your eyes are opened. It's a whole new thing. Christianity, how many of you would agree? Christianity is not for wimps or the faint-hearted. No, no. But it's also, it's when the real fun begins. It's when our journey begins, when our adventure begins. It's when you guys get to become Frodo Baggins. Speaking of little people, back in the lagoon right now, it's our 7 to 12-year-olds. They're learning about the Great Commission this morning. That's what their message is on. And I want to ask you guys, what's the Great Commission? You guys, good job. Good job. First service, I had to say, now I'm the children's pastor. I'm the youth pastor. I'm used to interaction, so if you guys, if I ask you a question, you don't say anything, it sounds like I'm just talking to myself. So you can help me out. But yeah, you guys said that. Go into all the world and and preach the good news. That's what the gospel of Mark says. And the gospel of Matthew says it a different way. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So when Pastor Ross asked me to preach, he said we're going to be in this series on evangelism. You guys know what evangelism is? It's the Great Commission. That's what it is. It's the Great Commission. It's preaching the good news. It's the job that Jesus gave us to tell others about him. I don't know if you guys have thought about it this way or or realized it, but when you became a Christian, you got a second job. We all did. So this morning, I just want to say, we're we're doing evangelism, but I'm going to take a little untraditional approach with it. Is that okay? Okay. You're like, it's okay now. Let's see where you go. But did you know that in the United States here, we live in the third largest unchurched nation? Like, let, let that sink in. It's kind of crazy. So that, that fact tells me that the Great Commission 
That doesn't just apply to going overseas, to reaching people in foreign lands. It doesn't. The Great Commission, and I, I want to say, nothing against missionaries and mission trips. Those are essential. Those are essential. But the Great Commission isn't just that. It's important that we realize that the Great Commission also applies here and now to us. You know, that going into all the world, reaching all nations, that includes the United States. That includes Michigan, Big Rapids, Reed City, Morley, all the surrounding area. It applies where we are and it applies to every one of us who are followers of Jesus. So the question then is, what do we do with this job that God has given to us, this calling that God has given to us? What do we do with it? So I want to look at some scripture here this morning to, to kick things off. James chapter 1, verses 22 through 24. And it says, uh, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Did you hear that? Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Now, it's important there, as we, as we look at that scripture, to realize James is talking to the church. He's not talking to the people outside the church. He's talking to those who listen to the word of God, those who were baptized, those who took communion, those who were at church every week, those who weren't killing people, murdering people. He was talking to the church, and he just came right at them with this. So if, if we're here on Sundays, we're hearing the word Pastor Ross is preaching. We're here. We're filling a seat. Is that good enough? Is that good enough? What James is saying here is being a hearer, when you're just a hearer, you're taking a quick glance, but you don't, you're not doing anything to fix what you're seeing. James uses the example of a man looking in the mirror, rushing out the door, forgetting what he saw. And I'm just picturing the guy probably had head and shave, some stubble on his face. His hair is probably all jacked up and he looked like he just got out of bed. He's probably late for work, really not too worried about what he looks like, just quickly looks in the mirror, tries to fix his hair and takes off. See, the, the mirror showed him the problems. The mirror showed him the problems, but he didn't do anything to fix them. That's what the scripture is talking about. The word of God is like a mirror. And it says in Hebrews 4.12, it reveals to us the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. But if we just take a quick glance at God's word, if you just check it out when it's up on the screen here on Sunday mornings, if that's all you do, and then just rush out the door and forget what you saw, it's not going to do you any good. Hearing the word without doing, that, that's just kind of like how we're born. We're born that way. So then we have to ask ourselves, are we going to do what's expected or are we going to do the exceptional? Are we going to be the exception? Are we going to do it God's way? We have to personally and deliberately focus on that. So how many people in here want to be doers? We got some doers in here? Awesome. That's good. It'll make the rest of this a lot easier. I said put your helmet on because I'm going to throw out some, not some actual objects, but some challenging stuff at you today. So, But we're going to look, we're going to look at the Great Commission and doing our job. Because when, when, when you think about evangelism, usually you think about reaching people outside of the church, right? Yeah. Outside of the, the four walls of the church. And that is a, that's a huge part of evangelism. But what I want to hit on this morning is I want to talk about evangelizing those within our church, within our church family. And you might be thinking... What? Evangelizing the people already at church? Just stick with me. Stick with me. 
Because if, if we want to be doers of the job God's called us to do, not just overseas, we need to do it here. We need to do it here in our homes, in our church family, in this building. And our future depends on it. I don't know if you guys know this, this stat, but it kind of surprised me. Half of the world population is 25 and under. Like half of the world is 25 and under. And every week here in, in Kids Zone on Sunday and 412 on Wednesday, combined we have around 200 kids that come through our doors here at this church every single week. So the question is, what are we doing? Are we being doers? Are we evangelizing them? Are we making disciples of them? I ask you that, you might be thinking, well, that's the church's job. You're right, it is the church's job. But who's the church? Right? The church isn't this building, it's not this property, it's not Pastor Ross, it's not the staff. We are the church. We are Res Life. So are we doing the job that God's called us to to reach this next generation? I don't know, maybe that's a revelation for some of you guys. Maybe you've never thought of it, thought about that before. I've been thinking about it a lot lately and I've been feeling some conviction about it. Am I personally doing what I'm supposed to be doing to reach this generation? Are we as a church family doing what we're supposed to be doing to reach this next generation? And as I've been putting this message together and studying it out, there's been a phrase that's been kind of imprinted in my mind. And it's, is it just about getting them in the door or is there something more? And what I mean by that is our job, the Great Commission, is it just to bring people to church? Does walking through those doors on a Sunday morning make you a Christian? Is that good enough? And is that how we're handling things with this next generation? Is that how we're approaching them? Is that how we're trying to reach them? I saw a quote from Andy Stanley that went perfectly with, with what we're talking about here. It says, you don't have to change the world but you have to change something. And that just, that just really made me think. For, in one way, it was freeing because it's easy to feel overwhelmed, like, man, I have to do all this. But his point was God didn't ask us to change everything. God asked us to take what we see and leave it better than how we found it. And that's why, that's what we have to do with this next generation. Guys, we should want them we should want them to lap us. We should want to hand the baton to them and just have them run past us to outdo us, even if it makes us look bad. That's what we should want for them. But is that what we're doing? Is it just about getting them in the door or is there something more? Now, by show of hands here, how many of you would agree with me that the world is in worse shape today than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Yeah, right? I've heard it said, I've said it myself, man, the world is not like it was when I grew up. I mean, I remember riding my bike around the neighborhood all day. My parents would like be home for dinner and I would never do that with my kids. I'd never let them do that today. It's a lot of different place, right? So y'all, y'all raised your hands. If we all realize that the world is a lot more difficult place for the youth to grow up in today, how are we helping them? What are we doing? Because they're our future in every way, shape, and form. They're our future. And I don't know if you guys have looked much into this new generation that, that's growing up right now, if, you, if you've heard much about them. But they say, research, research shows that this is likely the most intelligent, advanced, forward-thinking generation there's ever been on earth. I mean, they have technology at their fingertips. They have access to knowledge like we didn't have growing up. And I heard a speaker recently 
he specializes in studying different generations. He's been doing it for decades. And in, in talking about the youth that we're talking about, he, he said some interesting things that I think kind of tell us, give us a, a hint of what we should be doing as a church. And I'm sure today, if I ask some of you guys, um, you know, we've all heard at least, and a lot of us have said, you know, this next generation, they're lazy. They're bums, you know. They're, they're entitled. They feel entitled. The list goes on and on. I'm sure a lot of people in here would be guilty of saying those things. But my experience with them shows that, that that's an unfair label to put on them, guys. The thing is, they're different. They're different from us. They're different from us. And a lot of times we don't like different. Different makes us uncomfortable. And the truth is, I mean, I'm sure, I, th I think every older generation looks at the younger generation and thinks, they got it made. They have it easier than we do, right? Every older generation does that. But so this morning, if you're one of those people who say this, this younger generation, they're everything that's wrong with the world. They're lazy. I don't want anything to do with them. They won't listen to me. They don't want me as part of their life. I want to challenge you with, with, with something I heard from that, that speaker. He said that they asked this next generation, this is a question all of us have been asked growing up. Who's your hero? You guys probably remember that from school. Who's your hero? Draw a picture of your hero. So they asked this, this next generation, who is your hero? And for the first time in years and years, they didn't say an athlete. They didn't say someone famous. They didn't say an entertainer. For the first time in years and years, they said their hero is my dad, my mom, my grandma, my gramps. I don't know about you guys, that, that's encouraging to me. That is encouraging. For the first time in decades, the youth are looking to people close to them as their heroes. So th that tells me that we have an opportunity to connect with them and reach them. Probably we don't even realize it, but we do. We do. And see, the devil, he, he's a great deceiver. He is. He would love nothing more than to get us to believe a lie, than to hold us back from fulfilling what God wants us to do. And in this area, I, I, I honestly believe we've been deceived, we've been duped, we've been tricked into thinking this next generation wants nothing to do with us. And guys, that, that's, not, that's not true. It's not true. They need us there. We want to be doers. What are we going to do? What are we going to do with that information, knowing that they look to us? I've heard way too many stories, and I'm sure you've heard some too, about children leaving the, the church after they graduate high school, um, after they leave the home, graduate. There's a stat. I love stats. I'm a numbers guy, but I don't love this stat because this stat says that 70 to 80% of youth group students once they graduate high school, they leave the church. And that was, I saw that and I'm like, ouch. That, that, that hurts. And many of them never come back. Now, I, I don't want to say that to scare you guys. That's not my point. Because we shouldn't be moved by fear. We should be moved by faith, right? Yeah. Right? But obviously, we as the church, we're missing something, guys. We're, we're not doing something right. And I'll say it again. Is it just about getting them in the door or is there something more? We need to change what we're doing because they're walking in, but they're walking right back out. Now there's something we say um, 
at the 412 every week. The 412, if you don't know, that's our youth ministry, 6th to 12th grade. We meet here every Wednesday night. We have an awesome time. If you're in 6th to 12th grade, come join us. But uh, 412 is based off 1 Timothy 4.12. That's where we get the 412 from. And that verse is, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Instead, set an example in your word, your deed, your faith, your love, and your purity. And we get up here as, as the youth, we, we chant that together every week. And part of that that I want to emphasize this morning is that we are examples. We are examples. I don't care your age. I don't care your IQ. I don't care your job. I don't care where you live. You are an example to someone. The perfect example of this is my son. He just turned six. He's our youngest. And he just idolizes and looks up to one of our youth students here. And praise God, this youth student is a great example. He is. He's on our youth band. He's, he's back there serving on Sunday mornings. He's back, there, he's back there this morning serving. He comes in during the week, the week and, and takes care of the kids. I mean, this kid is a teenager, and he's setting an amazing example for my son. I don't know if he realizes how great of an example he is, but he is. So guys, if you're hearing the words I'm saying today, you are an example to someone. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So if you're, you're an example and you're a believer, are you just sitting back? Are you taking the approach that I'm good? I know where I'm going when I die. I got my ticket to heaven. Are you living a retreated life where you, you've just kind of given up and said the world's going to hell? I'm going to heaven. I'm good. Forget this place. It's not my home. Are you taking that approach? And if you are, if those thoughts are in your head, you got to ask yourself, is that what Jesus wants us to do? Is that what Jesus himself did? Because we want to be doers. You raised your hands, I saw you. I'm going to hold you to it now. <laughs> but this, this next, investing in this next generation means we need to be like Jesus. We need to be doers. So what did Jesus do? I want to look at two things that Jesus did that we can use him as an example here. The first thing is, is Jesus came down to others. He didn't expect others to come up to him. Because Jesus, he came down to us. He's the most powerful person, the, most, the wisest, the, the most knowledge of anybody ever. And what did he do? What did he do with that power? He came down and helped the powerless. What did he do with his knowledge and wisdom? He came down and helped those who were hurting, who needed him. He used that knowledge and wisdom and that power to help others. So for us adults, the older generation here, to sit and say, we have this knowledge, we have this power, and to not help this next generation, that's not just bad stewardship, that's ungodly. That's what it is. Now, does this next generation have selfish tendencies? Absolutely. But that's not a generational thing. That's a human thing, right? Right? So what does Jesus do? What, what example does he, he set? He came down. He poured into others. He didn't, he didn't tell the apostles, come up to my level. He reached them where they were. He came down to them. And when the church, when we tell the next generation, you know what, our, our way of doing things is the only way. Our style and taste is the right style and taste. We're not being like Jesus. We're not. Instead of, instead of coming down to them, and engaging them, we're telling them they have to come up to us. We're expecting them to reach up, not to God, but to us in the way we do things. If that's, if that's our approach, that's just selfish pride. So the question is, is, is this next generation looking to the church and seeing an attitude that's more Christ-centered 
or self-centered. Then the second thing I want to look at that Jesus did is Jesus set the church up to be successful after he left. So not only did he come down to those who needed help, those with less power, he invested in them. Jesus spent his time preparing a group of men to take over after he left. Who are we preparing? Because Jesus, he knew his time on earth was short. He knew 30, 30 plus years He knew it wasn't all about, his mission was way bigger than those 30 years that he was on earth, 30 some years. He didn't come to earth looking to build an earthly kingdom. He came to earth looking to build a godly kingdom, something that would last. What are we building, guys? What are we building as a church? Because he came to prepare people, not to have people serve him. And the problem with a lot of churches today is they're not preparing the next generation. They're not concerned about what's gonna happen after they're gone. Is that what we're doing? Are we, are we saying, who cares what happens after we're gone? You know, we paid our dues. Now it's time to just kick up our feet and take it easy. Because if Jesus, if that's the attitude he had, the church would not be here today. It wouldn't. And Jesus, I loved it because he didn't stop. He didn't stop this whole, his whole time here on earth. He kept his eyes on the prize. His goal was to get everybody across the finish line. Not just the people who were on earth when he was here ministering, but everyone, that was his goal. He came to earth looking to the future, not just the here and now. And, and Jesus knew that if his movement that he started ended with him, he'd failed. And that's the same thing with us today as a church. If the church ends with us here, we failed, guys. We failed miserably. So right here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start throwing out some specifics, and some of these are probably going to hit home with some, with some of you. And I'm just going to say these with a smile on my face. <laughs> yes. If you don't like what, me after what I say, then realize I'm only up here once or twice a year. <laughs> now, Pastor Ross is back next week. So. But realize I'm saying these things, and I'm also challenging myself as a parent, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus I'm not standing up here saying, this is what I do. You guys should do it. I'm saying, this is what Jesus does. Let's look to him as our example. So a little more interaction here. Looking out at you guys, how many of you by a show of hands would say you want your children, your grandchildren, your niece and nephews to to view, view church as something important? You want them to make that a priority in their lives? Good, good. If there was like two hands, I'd be like. So I, I say that. And this is where it's going to get real. What happens when you let sports, when you let extracurricular activities become their top focus and top priority? When that's the main focus in your household? What happens when you don't come to church because it's nice out? You go fishing or go to the beach instead. And I'm not talking about that one weekend you missed last year. No, I'm talking about a pattern of behavior. What happens when you don't pray at home? You don't open your Bible at home? You tell your kids marriage is very important. You want them to have a good marriage. Have you considered signing up for the marriage retreat? What are, what are we teaching them? What are we showing them? And you might, you, I've heard people throw out the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. That is garbage. That's terrible. That's bad advice. Kids see right through that. If something is important to us, we make it a priority. We do. And maybe, you know, you're there telling your kids, 
I want you to have good work ethic. Be, be a good student, be diligent. But then you're cutting corners at work and slacking off. Maybe you tell them you need to respect authority, respect your elders, but you come home from work and you're talking smack about your boss. What are we showing them? Are we showing them that being the best athlete, being the best student, being the best looking, are we showing them that's what's important? Remember, we're their hero. They're looking to us. We're their example. What are we showing them? What kind of an example are we setting? And, you know, maybe you guys don't like being challenged. Maybe you don't like me throwing this stuff out. But the truth is, we need to be challenged. We need that. We do, especially nowadays in this politically correct world that we live in. We need to be challenged. We need, we need that. We need to look into God's word as a mirror, see what we have to work on and what we need to fix, and we need to do it. Not just run out the door and forget what we, what we see. We need to be doers, not just hearers. And you know who's really good at challenging me and calling me out on stuff? My lovely wife. <laughs> Do I always want to hear it? Nope. Do I just sit there sometimes and just take a deep breath? <sighs> Thank you, Lord, for this woman. But you know what? I know my wife has my best interests at heart. And most of the time, she's sitting in here right now. Most of the time, she's spot on. <laughs> but it helped make me who I am today. I'm confident I wouldn't be where I am today without her influence in my life. She invited me to church. She modeled to me how important Jesus is, how important God is. And I saw that she wasn't just saying it, she was doing it. So I say all this today because God wants us to get over and get past those things that are holding us back. The things that are holding us back from being the examples that we're supposed to be. Now, you might be sitting here right now and say, I don't want people looking up to me. I'm dealing with stuff. I have issues. I'm not perfect. You know what? That may all be true, but the truth is people are looking to you anyway. People are going to look to you anyway as an example. And shame, shame, we could do a whole, a whole talk this morning on shame. Shame is just a tool of the enemy to keep you from being the example God wants you to be to people. I want you guys to do, with, do this with me for a second. Say, I am an example, I am an example. Whether, I like it or not. whether I like it or not. It's true. We need to own that. We need to own that, guys. We need to do something with it because the future of our church, the future of our world, they need us. Not to just be sitting on the side as spectators. They need us to be active and there for them. And I said earlier, you know, this generation looks like it may be the most intelligent, the most advanced, the most knowledgeable, but what is all of that if they don't have Jesus? What, what's it all worth if they don't have Jesus? What's it all about if they don't know there's a God that loves them, that's there with them, that wants the best for them? Those of us who are believers, you can say, you know, life without Jesus, it's just empty. You think back to then. I spent 18 years of my life of emptiness. But for a minute here, could you just picture with me, picture what the world would look like, what Michigan would look like, what Big Rapids would look like if all of us took time to invest in this next generation, to mentor them, to be there for them, to be present in their lives. 
if we didn't just see it as a success to get them through the doors on a Sunday morning. But if we really wanted to make disciples of them. That's our vision here at this church with the children's ministry, with the youth ministry. And I, I want to challenge you guys this morning to make that your vision with this next generation. We're all in this together. We talked about the Great Commission. That's all of our jobs as, as believers. We're in this together. And I'm sure you've heard the, the statement before, it takes a village to raise a child. All the parents say amen. amen. It's true. It's true. It all starts, though, with being there for them and with them. We need to mentor them instead of manage them. We need to treat them as people, not projects. Two weeks ago, Pastor Ross was up here talking about evangelism, and he said, you spell evangelism L-O-V-E. And it's true. Loving on people, that's part of evangelism. We need to love this next generation, not lecture them. Because, guys, it's not about them knowing what we know as much as it's them knowing we're there for them and with them. And there's, there's always opportunities. It's, it's easy to overlook them, though, and say, oh, those aren't convenient. Those don't fit into our schedules. But there's always opportunities. Here at church, you could you know, help on Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. Your children, your grandchildren, your niece or your nephew, spend one-on-one -on -one time with them. It could be that kid in your neighborhood who doesn't have a father figure or doesn't have a mother around. We have organizations around. There's like big brothers, big sisters. We, we're very close to Eagle Village. They're an awesome organization that's sowing into our youth. You could go volunteer at your school. There's no excuse for not getting involved and being a part of helping this next generation. And for some of us, yeah, we're going to have to step outside of our comfort zone. For some of us, not so much. But it's worth it. And I don't know about you, but since God's given me this job, I want to be a doer. I want to do what he's called us to do. I want to be standing there someday in front of him and have him say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Those are the words I want to hear. And I want to leave you guys with one more statement here. Just, just never underestimate the impact that you will have. Em emphasis on will. The emphasis there on will is because it's guaranteed. Never underestimate that impact you will have on those that you sow into, that you spend time with, that you are an example to. So here we're going to do things a little bit different. I'm going to pray twice. I'm going to pray first over all of us as a church. And then I'm also going to open up the, the prayer for anybody that, that doesn't know Jesus yet. So we're going to go ahead and pray. This is going to be a personal thing. So everybody just close your eyes, bow your heads. And let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everybody in this place this morning, for all of us here. I just pray that this word can challenge and inspire us. That it can motivate us to reach this next generation. To be doers, not just hearers. That we can see your word as that mirror to improve us, to make us better, to be the examples you want us to be, Lord. I pray that over all of us here today. And then, as we're all here this morning, those of you, if you've already made Jesus, Lord, just be praying for those who haven't. But for those of you who haven't, if you haven't made that decision yet, if you haven't started that journey yet, but you're sitting here today and say, I want to, I want to step up. I want to do what God has for me. I want that full life that he's promised. All I have to do is receive it. If that's you here today, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Again, no one's looking around. This is just personal between you and God, between you and Jesus. But when you lift your hand in a minute here, if that's you, you're saying, there's something missing. There's something I've been missing my entire life, but 
I want it. I want you, Jesus. So right now, if that's you, if you're in this place, it's going to ask you to lift your hand up. Awesome. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for all the people that are in this place this morning. We just pray for those of us who are living for you, Lord, that that we can continue to follow you, do things your way, and be inspired and motivated. And for those who maybe aren't yet ready, Lord, to, to, to make you the boss of their life, I pray for them that they just keep seeking, looking for the truth, looking for what's real. And I know you'll bless them as they do. You love us all. You're so awesome. We thank you that you're our father. We're your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can check us out online at rlcbr.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in the iTunes store or your podcast feed. We love you, and remember to always reach up, reach in, and reach out. Have a great week.